as you know, uh, the universe that we're living in is governed by certain laws. Take, for instance, the law of motion or the law of thermodynamics or just the fact that the sun came up this morning was because of a natural law at work. I, I think it's safe to say that every one of us sitting here tonight has faith in those laws that they work. We didn't go to bed last night wondering if the sun would come up this morning. We had faith in that natural law. We, we knew that it would automatically rise in the morning. We didn't get to September and think that the 95 degree weather would continue. We knew that summer would lead to winter. And God has written those natural laws into his creation. They're always in operation. Take, for instance, the law of gravity. The law of gravity is very simple. What goes up must come down. Uh, if an apple falls from a tree, it doesn't go upwards. It falls to the ground. And that happens because of the law of gravity. And we would do well to respect that law. The law of gravity is a fact. It's a law that can't be ignored. It's always in effect. It never stops working whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we respect it or not. I can choose to not acknowledge the law of gravity, to be ignorant about it, to, to not respect it. I, I can say that, you know, I, I really have deceived myself and I believe I can fly and I can go to the top of a 30-foot building or a 30-story building and I can ignore the law of gravity and I can jump thinking I can fly. Whether I ignore that law or not doesn't change the fact that it will be in effect and I will fall to the ground and crash. The fact that someone doesn't believe in a law doesn't change it or doesn't deny that it exists. If I deceive myself thinking that a certain law doesn't apply to me, it doesn't keep me from the consequences that come from ignoring it. God has set up other laws the same way, spiritual laws the same way. Laws that are just as fixed and reliable as any natural law. Laws that have been set in motion by God, just like the law of gravity. Laws that are predictable and constant. Laws that you can count on working in your life, even if you're ignorant of them, even if you ignore them. They're laws that are set in motion by God and are always operating in our life. And, and there are many spiritual laws, I could list them for you, that are found in this book. But I want to focus on one specific law tonight. I want to talk to you about the law of sowing and reaping. The law of sowing and reaping like gravity is a law that's always in effect and always operating in our lives, whether we're familiar with it or not, whether we ignore it or not, whether we think it doesn't apply to us or not. I promise you, it is always working in your life. We can ignore it, discount it, turn our nose up at it, but it will not change the fact that it's a law and that it will always be in operation. That's why we need uh, to be intentional about the things we're sowing into our lives and into the lives of others. I, I believe that I have an important message for you tonight. 
I believe it contains a life-changing principle that will rock your world if you get it. I'm praying that your hearts are open to it, that your ears hear it, and that you truly receive it as truth into your life tonight. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, but would you just pray with me first? I have 45 pages of notes. When a good night, I like to preach 18. Uh, I'm just telling you, you need to pray with me now that God just lets my eyes fall on what needs to be said and disregard the rest. And so, Father God, I thank you that you are Lord. I'm asking you, Father, to be Lord over every word that I speak tonight. I pray, Father, that I would not speak words of human wisdom, but that that the words I speak would be a demonstration of your Holy Spirit's power. Lord, that you would take over my life right now, that you would speak your word to your people, that you would help me to speak it with clarity and with great effectiveness. I pray that ears would be open to hear, that hearts would be receptive and ready to receive the seed of your word. And Lord, that as I sow it tonight, that it would reap a harvest in the lives of these people. Father, I'm asking you to take these 45, 47 pages of notes, and Lord, that you would supernaturally just speak through me. Help me to say only what the Father tells me to say. Let me have ears to hear your voice saying, say this next, Rhea. And Lord, when this night is through, let the people here be able to say, surely, The Lord was in that place. Have your way here tonight, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to read verses 7 through 10. Do not be deceived. I could stop right there and, and preach those 45 pages, but do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the the household of faith. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that also will he reap. The, the, The New Living Translation says, do not be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Paul is using an agricultural term here to describe a spiritual law that God has set in motion. And that agricultural term is familiar to all of us. It's the the principle of sowing and reaping. If I want to reap corn, I do not sow marigold seeds. Whatever I want to, to reap in a harvest is the seed that I plant. Because whatever I sow, that I'm going to reap. I should not be shocked if I sow marigold seeds and only marigolds come up. 
If I want corn, I need to plant corn. See, some of you are wanting something in your life, but you are planting the exact opposite. And you're surprised that you're reaping something awful in your life when that's all you've planted. Do not be deceived. Whatsoever things you sow, that also will you reap. You will always harvest what you plant. It's a spiritual law that God set in motion. About this principle, Alan Snap says, farmers and gardeners throughout history have depended on this principle to be true in the natural realm. And God's word says that it's true in, uh, what is true in agriculture is true in life as well. What a person sows in life, they will eventually reap, not because God does something extraordinary to make that happen, but because it's a principle that he has established, and you are never going to outmaneuver it. So don't be deceived into thinking you can sow bad seed and get away with it. Whereas the saying goes, sow wild oats all week long and on Sunday pray for crop failure. It doesn't work that way. Whatsoever things we sow, that too will we reap. Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't be tricked <laughs> by the trickster. Don't miss the fact that he says, whatsoever things you sow. It, 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 it's saying, it's it, this principle pertains to good seed and bad seed. Many of you have heard me preach a million times on, on, on confessing God's word and, and confessing God's word into the atmosphere and over situations. I am a firm believer in the seed of God's word. God's word is seed. That's why it's so important that we get it deep down in our soul and we begin to plant it in the lives of the people around us. We planted in our marriages, we planted in our finance, it's seed. Many of you have heard that there, I believe finances are seed. I, I think if you, if you are lacking in finances, find some place to sow it in God's, in God's kingdom and you watch that seed come back to you. He says it is the one place in our life that we can test him. That we can say, Lord, I am giving you this seed and you say, Given it will be given to you, pressed down, shaken over and overflowing. It's coming back to me. It's a principle. It's a law. And I promise you, it works. But it doesn't just work with good seed. You can sow seeds of gossip. Oh, dear one, I promise you, if you are a gossip, I promise you this, with every ounce of my being, if you are sowing gossip, it is coming back to you. If you're sowing anger, you will reap from that. If you're sowing jealousy and discord, I promise you, promise you, promise you, it will come back to you. If you're, if you're sowing negative thoughts and destructive thinking, it is, you're going to reap from that, I promise you. If you are sowing sinful actions into your life, I promise you there will be a harvest coming back. It's not because I'm super spiritual and I know something you don't know. It's because God's word works. It's a spiritual law that is set in motion just like gravity. I could not leave this earth no matter how much I jump. I'm coming back down. It's a law that I can't defy. And I promise you God's word, this is a spiritual law that you can't outmaneuver. You can't outmaneuver it. Whatsoever things you sow, you will reap. Paul says, don't be deceived. 
That word deceived means to cause to stray, to be led astray. It's a metaphor uh, about being led into error. Don't be led into error. Remember, always keep in mind that whatever you sow, you're going to reap. John MacArthur says, Paul wants to warn us that whatever you plant is exactly what you will harvest. Don't be deceived is a very important warning. MacArthur goes on to say, I, I would have to say most people, including Christians, are somewhat deceived to one degree or another about the consequences of their sinful behaviors. He says, I, I think we tend to believe that because we're under grace and not law, because we've been forgiven and that's forever, because we cannot lose our salvation, because God is so gracious, he keeps forgiving all our sins, because we haven't contributed to our salvation by works, we can sustain our salvation by our works or lack thereof. There's a certain impunity by which we can sin. But Paul says, do not be deceived. If you are sowing to the flesh, if you are sowing sinful fleshly things in your life, you will reap corruption. You'll reap death. You'll reap misery. Hosea 10 verses 12 through 13 says, plant, sow, good seeds of righteousness, and you will harvest a crop of love. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower righteousness upon you. But he says, instead, you have cultivated wickedness, wickedness, and harvested a crop of sins. Whatsoever things you sow, plant, that you will also reap or harvest. We have a choice what we plant, but be assured there will be a harvest. Paul says, do not be deceived. The, the devil is a great deceiver. He wants to lead you away from truth and into to error. He wants you to believe that, that you can sin, you can live however you want, and there will not be any consequences to it. He wants you to believe that you can defy God's rules, his law, that you don't need to obey, and there will not be any consequences to you. John MacArthur says, the very fact that you are saved, that you're delivered, that you're saved by grace, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, we take as a right then to say, well, it doesn't matter. I can sow whatever I want. Yes, you can. But you're going to reap a harvest from it. And so do not be deceived. Whatsoever man sows, that word sows, it means to scatter or sow any seed. It refers to any type of seed that, that's sown. That means good and bad seeds. And I told you, seeds are not only the word of God, but negative critical words, gossip, malice, destructive thoughts, uh, negativity, uh, sin, <laughs> you name it. Whatsoever you sow. There'll be a harvest that comes from it. Uh, in reference to the scripture, G. Walter Hansen says, here we're faced with a decision, a decision that determines our destiny. We are not victims of fate, bad luck, or even predestination. Our destiny, hear this, is determined by our decisions. Shall we sow to the sinful nature or to the spirit? The old proverb is true, sow a thought, reap an act, sow an act, reap a habit, sow a habit, reap a character, sow a character, reap a destiny. 
if we really believed that, we would be extra careful with every word we spoke, every thought we entertained, and every action we carried out. Someone said, today is the father of tomorrow, and today's challenges are really a child of yesterday's decisions. So what we're reaping today is a result of the seed we sowed yesterday. The thoughts we meditated on, the actions we participated in, the decisions we made in the past. It's a kingdom principle about sowing and reaping. Whatever you sow, whatever you plant in your life, whatever I plant in my man, I am intentional about what I sow into this man. Because I understand whatever I sow, I'm going to reap. Some of you are, I, I'm sorry, I can't give a better word, are nags. Nag, 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 nag. You're going to reap that. You want a husband who adores you? Want a husband who, 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 who loves you dearly, who treasures you? You sow good seed into his life. And watch what you reap. Watch what you reap. And yet, here is what we do. God, why doesn't he love me better? Why don't I have a better marriage? Why don't my children respect me? Yeah, probably because the seed you sowed was to your flesh. I have a right to be happy. Dave, you don't make me happy. You need to make me happy, and I'm going to make you miserable till you make me happy. No! Sow the seed you want and reap the harvest. Reap the harvest. Some of you are sowing seeds of addiction in your life, and you're wondering why you're miserable. Whatsoever things you sow, baby cakes, that's what you're going to reap. Don't blame God when your life is a mess and you have chosen to sow. A farmer who wants corn doesn't sow marigolds. Do you see it? I can't change it. This is a principle just like gravity. I can't change it. If I get, I want to in the worst way. I want to step up on this chair right now. If I stepped up on that chair and I stepped off, I'm not going to fly. I'm going to fall to the ground. I can't change that. That's the law of gravity. This is a law of sowing and reaping. God can't change it to make you comfortable. He's already set it in motion. So whatever you sow, darling, you are going to reap. So be picky about what you're sowing. Be picky. Many of you are sitting here tonight and you've been sowing seeds of God's word into your life or your marriages and your families and you're not seeing the benefits. You're saying, Maria, I, I really doubt that this works because I've been doing what you say. I've been sowing those seeds of God's word and, 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 and I don't see any change. Or my husband's just as awful as he was, you know, two years ago when I started sowing this. I'm telling you, no farmer plants his field one day and has a harvest the next. Reaping takes time. And the same works for, for bad seed as well. Some of you are sitting here. You've been flirting at work. You've been indulging in an affair. You've been doing something you know you should not ought to be doing, and you're getting away with it right now. Keep sowing. Keep sowing. Because no, har no farmer who plants in a field expects to reap a harvest the next day. It takes time. But you will reap a harvest. You'll reap. Paul is warning us 
to take this principle seriously. We can easily be led astray and think it doesn't matter. And part of that is because the harvest doesn't happen immediately. And Paul says, don't be deceived into believing that. Don't be deceived into thinking that there aren't going to be any consequences to what you're sowing in your life. I was raised in, born and raised in Pennsylvania in Amish country. There aren't better uh, farmers than the Amish. They are great farmers. And, and they would plant what they called winter wheat, and they would plant it in September. They'd plow up the fields, they'd put the seed in, they'd cover it over, and you'd look at those fields and you'd be like, it's dirt, there's nothing's happening here. And, and it would go September, October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, nothing. But it's winter wheat. June and July, the harvest would come. That seed was planted in September in those fields. Ten months later, they started to get a harvest. It was slow, but it was a harvest. We need to be careful with the plant, with the seeds that we plant. The tree of life, that scripture in Hosea that I read to you, the tree of life says you have eaten the fruit of delusion because you've trusted in your own ways. Can I tell you, God's ways work. If he says, do this, do it. So that everywhere you go, if he says forgive, bend over backwards forgiving. Because you, you want to reap his harvest. You want the good that he has to, to be a harvest in your life. But you see, you've eaten the fruit of delusion. And you trust in your own way. Instead of in God's way. Hosea 8, 7 says, when you sow to the wind, you'll reap the whirlwind. You might think it's okay to flirt with somebody of the opposite sex. You might think it's harmless fun. Nobody's getting hurt. But the scripture promises if you sow to the wind, you will reap a whirlwind. Do not be deceived. You might think it's harmless to gossip and indulge a little bit in that. But do not be deceived. Whatever you sow, that too shall you reap. Don't be surprised, Miss Gossip, when, when your life starts to fall apart. Nobody wants to be your friend. Nobody trusts you. And you start getting gossiped about. I'm telling you, whatsoever things you sow, that too shall you reap. The harvest I reap in my life is determined by the seeds I plant. A man's character. And condition is the harvest of his habits. The fruit of my life is determined by what I plant. We have to determine the harvest we want to reap and then sow accordingly. How is fruit produced? By first sowing seeds of that fruit. So if I want apples, I sow apple seeds. So if, if that fruit comes from sowing, the, the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, gentleness. Those are, those are, that's the fruit. If I want that in my life, I have to start sowing it into the lives of others. If you, oh, darling, if you want peace in your marriage, sow. Sow. Don't plant any seed that's contrary to that. Because you cannot sow anger and hatred and nasty critical words into your spouse, into your children, into your co-workers, and not expect to reap a harvest from that. You say, well, Rhea, people don't treat me well. Well, maybe you're reaping. 
If you want something different, sow something different. I promise you, this works. This works. We must make an impo- a point intentionally to sow good seeds into the lives of the people around us. So he says, um, turn over to Galatians 5, 13 through 24. This is a familiar passage to you. It's the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit because Paul goes on to say in this passage, for he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap eternal life. So I want you to see what the flesh looks like here. And we see that in Galatians 5, 13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. God wants you free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh, rather to serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what's contrary to the spirit. And the spirit desires what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict. They're at war with each other. So that you do not do what you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. They're evident. And they are, and I'll read this from, I like it actually in a, in a different version. Let me just find it here for you. I have it written down someplace else. I really like this one better. better. So he says that the acts of the flesh are evident, Galatians 5. Um, the acts of the flesh are evident. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way, Senseless arguments, senseless arguments, resentment when others are favored, temper tantrums, angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others, murder, unless you think murder doesn't apply to you. There's a scripture that says um, that If you hate somebody, you're guilty of murder. But it also says that um, we murder with our mouth when we kill the spirit of somebody with our unkind words. So murder, wild parties, uncontrolled addictions, and all similar behavior. Those are the acts of the flesh. And and scripture says they're evident. People can tell by looking at your life. (laughs) And when um, when you sow those things in your life, this passage tonight says the natural law that's at work, the spiritual law that's at work, you will reap corruption. And that word corruption means misery, Jesus. There are people sitting in this room tonight that are miserable. But yet, those, that list of things I just read to you, they're doing it every single day. Those who sow to the flesh will reap corruption, misery. But those who sow to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. Now, let's look at the rest of that scripture. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-controlled. Those who belong to Christ 
have crucified the flesh with all its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit and not be... It goes on and on and on. You say, well, Rhea, <laughs> the flesh is really... It's, it's my sinful nature. It's, it's anything that desires what God does not. <laughs> it, it, it's that longing, that craving for what God says no to. And you say, well, Rhea, I've crucified the flesh. You just read it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, and that you no longer live, but Christ lives within you, right? All of that. I'm dead. Dead. I'm dead to the flesh. Well, I'm glad you are because I'm telling you the flesh is still very much alive in me. I have a daughter who, who drove a Jeep Liberty. Those were good cars. Dave, we had two Jeep Liberties. Both of them had 250,000 miles on them. Still going strong. Um, and, and my daughter gave her Jeep to our, one of our sons, and he's still driving it. 250,000 miles. But for whatever reason, Jeep decided to discontinue and to take Jeep Liberties off the production line. So they shut it down. So they're not producing those anymore. But if you go out on the highway, you can see Jeep Liberties all over the place. Even though production was shut down, they're still out and running. When I came to Christ, I crucified the flesh and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. But let me tell you what, it's still up and running in my life sometimes. Even though production was shut down. And so he says, this is the secret. You have to be led by the Spirit and not by the flesh. You, you have to choose. You have to know that that, that flesh is, is going to reap corruption in your life. It's going to make you miserable. So don't feed the thing. Choose to feed and to walk in accordance with the Spirit. I am telling you what. I have chronic migraines <laughs> all my life. And about a year ago, I started seeing a nutritionist who said, cut dairy, sugar, and gluten out of your diet. I'm like, what is left to have fun with? Where is the joy? And, and she said, Rhea, I'm telling you, you've got to take sugar out of your diet. I take sugar out of my diet. Weight comes pouring off of my body. I, I, but I love it. I love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. I love it so much I can't even tell you. And, and yet, I've not had one migraine. So my kids were home this week. I made these pumpkin bars with cream cheese and they're so yummy and they're my very favorite. And I said to Dave, I haven't had one in a year. I'm eating this thing. And so we're sitting at the, the counter. I'd just taken them out of the oven. I'm like, let's just have a little nibble. And my daughter and son-in-law are there. And I'm like, they're like, oh, that's so good. I'm like, I know. And I'm cutting another one and I'm eating it and another and another. And before I know it, I have eaten almost the entire pan uh, of those pumpkin cream cheese deliciousness. And it tasted so good. Like, even now, I can just taste it. And even as I'm tasting it, I'm thinking, oh, I'm going to pay dearly for this. Dave, Dave comes in the kitchen. He's like, you're going to get a migraine. And I'm like, it's going to be worth it. Don't tell me what I can eat, what I can't eat. <laughs> I wish I had listened because I was miserable. And not only was I miserable, but the, the weight came back on, and it came on quick. Like, I was like, oh, it took me forever to lose. And now it came back on. So for pumpkin cheesecake brownies, are you kidding me? But they were good. <laughs> they were really good. And if you don't get migraines, you really want my recipe, because it's super good. And, but I indulged, and I paid for it. 
got a migraine, had one again last night. They're back because the sugar is still in my system, and my system craves that sugar. And you see, when I'm away from it, I don't crave it nearly as much, but that one little nibble set me off, and I started craving it with everything in my being. That's the flesh. I knew if I ate that sugar, I would regret it. I knew that it would set in motion something in my body that I would regret doing it, but, but it tasted good. The flesh feels good. I, I, see, I, I lived that life. I, I always say to people, there's very little you can come to me that I can't say, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. You can't embarrass me. You can't say something that I'm going to be like, oh, you did what? I probably did it. Sin, the Bible says, is tasty for a season. That's Rhea's rendition. It's tasty for a season. For a season. That pumpkin cheesesteak yummy deliciousness was tasty for a season. But in the end, Scripture says, it leads to death. Sin is tasty for a season. If it wasn't tasty, nobody would want to do it. Flesh is, your flesh craves, like my body craves sugar. My flesh craves to be indulged. But in the end, I promise it will always lead. If you sow to the flesh, you will of the flesh reap corruption, misery. And it's a, it's a spiritual law. You can't get around it. And it's not worth it. You can indulge, but it's just like that, that pumpkin cheesecake thing. I'm going to regret it later. It'll be tasty for a season. So he says, but I say, walk, live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and the desire of the flesh. So many of us blame God for the condition our life is in, but we've ignored his commands, and we're sowing seeds to the flesh. Our problem is not with God, it's with us. We're out of step with the Spirit. We're sowing seeds of death and wondering why we aren't experiencing life. You say, well, Rhea, that's easier said than done. No, it's what you want to plant. It's God's principle. We're going to reap what we sow. Verse 8 says, he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. He who sows to the spirit will the spirit reap everlasting life. It's like I said, if I plant marigold seeds, I should not expect to reap a harvest of corn. That's just common sense. And the harvest I get in my life is determined by the type of seed I plant. I can't plant seeds of the flesh and expect to wreak life any more than I can plant marigold seeds and expect to, to reap corn. We get to decide what type of harvest we have in our life. If you're tired of reaping corruption and misery, plant different seeds. The harvest we're reaping is in our life is not the fault of anybody else. It's not the fault of God. We can't blame him for not loving us. It's because it's not about the spouse we married. It's not about the naughty kids we have. It's not about the horrible job we got thrown into. The abundance or lack thereof in our life is directly related to the seeds we are planting. The seeds we're planting. 
Believers who practice the works of flesh outlined in Ephesians 5 are going to reap it. I promise you. If you sow those things, you're going to reap it. Uh, let's see. John MacArthur says, Some Christians sow to the flesh seemingly every day and wonder why they don't reap a harvest of holiness or usefulness. Let me make it simple. Holiness is a harvest. Holiness is a harvest of sowing to the spirit, not to the flesh. Sow to the flesh, you harvest corruption. In the case of a believer, this corruption is simply the corruption of your Christian experience. The loss of peace, the loss of joy, the loss of worship, service, and usefulness. So, verse 9 says, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Sometimes it's discouraging to do what's right. Sometimes you, you, you do what's good, what's right, everybody else is doing wrong, and, and you don't see any results. But a harvest takes time. You might be planting and planting and not seeing any result, but keep planting. It will pay off in the end. A farmer who plants and then stops, uh, sows and then uh, stops nurturing the seed he planted will never see the harvest. He says, don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we do not lose heart. That word weary, it, it's weary of sowing to the Spirit. It's weary of obeying God. It's weary of doing what is right. And some translation says don't lose heart. Paul says let us not grow weary in doing well. He's including himself in it. That, that tells me that even Christians are in danger of growing weary of doing the right thing. We can be tempted to act like everyone else, thinking it, it's not making any difference. Paul says, don't be deceived. You see, here's what can trick me. I can try to do what's right. I can try to obey God. And it looks like the people who are being nasty and mean and, and, and living this wild life, like they're having all the fun. I'm a fun, I like to have fun. I'm telling you, I am a blood-bought, spirit-filled, tongue-talking believer. <laughs> But I like to have fun. I am fun. I'm fun. I really am fun. And, and sometimes I look at the people having super good fun, doing naughty things, and I think, hmm, that's a little tempting because they're not harvesting anything bad in due season. Paul says, don't be deceived, Rhea. Whatsoever things you sow, you're going to reap. In due season, might not be tomorrow, might not be next year, but it's coming, Rhea. So don't grow weary in doing what's right. Because in due season, you're going to reap a reward. I work with women all the time whose husbands have pornography addiction or whose husbands are cheating on them. And they'll say to me, I'm going to go cheat too. And I'm like, mm, mm, mm. But I'm justified, Rhea. Look at what he did to me. Mm, mm, mm. Whatsoever things you sow, baby girl, you're going to reap. Don't grow weary in doing what's right. Get your eyes off of him and onto your word. Because in due season, you'll reap. Just keep doing what is right. Paul says, don't 
grow weary in well-doing. It's a present tense there. It's a continuing action. Let it be your continual response, not grow weary in doing. Keep doing what's right. Because in due season, in that word due season, it's an appointed time. It's not based on our timetable. It's based on God's divine timetable. Keep believing. Keep sowing. Because this is a spiritual principle. It's already set into motion. You can't outmaneuver it. In due season, you will reap. Just keep doing what's right. Don't lose faith. Don't lose your sense of expectancy. Stir up your faith. Because what happens is when you sow and you do, well, you do good and you don't see any results coming back, the temptation is to give up and say, it doesn't matter. I'm just going to be nasty like everybody else. But the promise is if you don't grow weary and do season, you'll reap. Rick Renner, one of my favorite commentators, he, he tells a story. I'm just going to read it to you because I can't, I can't, shrink it, but in closing, I'm just going to read it to you because it's powerful. He says, when I was a boy, I decided to grow corn. So I carefully measured the rows along the backside of my father's garage. I prepared the ground and then meticulously planted the seeds. What a beautiful little garden it was, and I was so proud of it. Every day before school, I'd run to the little patch to see if anything had pierced the soil during the night. When I got home from school, I'd run back to that garden to see if anything became visible while I was away for the day. Before I'd go to bed at night, I'd return to see if my seeds were producing anything I could visibly see. Finally, I got so impatient waiting to see the results that I told myself, nothing's happening with those seeds. I need to dig them up and see if they're defective. So just as meticulously as I had planted the seeds, I began to dig them up one at a time to see if anything was happening below the surface. By the time I was done, there before my eyes, cupped in my hands, were all the seeds I had planted, uprooted by my own doing. The little pile of seeds had a tangled mass of roots and little shoots that had begun to grow upward towards the surface of the soil. But because I became impatient waiting for the due season of my corn, I completely ruined my harvest. After all the hard work I had done, I had dug up my seeds and ruined them. The next year, I decided to return to the patch behind the garage to do it again. But this time, I was determined that I would wait for those seeds to produce. I had learned not to dig up my seeds. Finally, the day came when I saw tiny green shoots pierce through the soil. Whew, I was so excited. Day after day, I watched as little shoots grew taller and taller. Everything was going great until little Ricky Renner once again became impatient. The corn stalks were tall. The ears of corn were already on the stalks. But it seemed like the ears of corn were taking too long to get bigger and mature. I began to wonder if something was wrong with the corn. So I thought, shouldn't it be growing faster? I inwardly argued, maybe insects are eating it below the husks, or maybe this corn is simply defective. So instead of staying on track and being patient, I pulled off every ear of corn peeled back the husk to see what was happening inside, and there in front of my eyes were perfectly formed ears of corn, everything intact. But because I pulled them off the stalks too early, I destroyed my harvest again. If I had not given in to impatience, I wouldn't have been much, it wouldn't have been much longer before I had been eating fresh corn. It wasn't insects, weather, or the devil that destroyed my harvest. It was me. The seeds were working perfectly but both times I ruined my harvest. Can I testify to you? 
that God's word is good seed. And if you plant it, you will reap a harvest in due time. Don't dig it up. Don't question whether it's working. Don't question whether it's good seed. Just plant it and wait for the harvest. Don't grow weary. The word weary there means to lack courage, to lose heart, to be faint-hearted. Here's what I want you to hear about this word weary. It's a compound word. It's made of two words in the Greek language. The first word means to give in, and the second part of that word means of bad nature, not as it ought to be. It's a mode of thinking, feeling, and acting that is wrong, wicked, troublesome, destructive. So compound it together, that word for weary, depicts a person who's tempted to give in and give up because his thinking has been penetrated by wrong thinking or evil thinking. Some of you here tonight are tempted to give up because in your mind, your mind has been penetrated by the devil. You're believing God's word. You're sowing it into life, whether it's your, your, your physical, medical situation. You're sowing God's word. You're believing God's word. Or you're... you're uh, uh, children, maybe it's a prodigal child, maybe it's your finances, you've been sowing into the ministry, into a church, you're giving faithfully and yet your finances are being drained, maybe it's into your spouse, maybe it's it, well I don't know what it is but I promise you this is good, this is good seed. It's good seed. And what we do is we get like Rick Renner where we plant that seed and then we get impatient because we're not seeing a harvest. We speak words of life over our spouse and we're intentional about obeying God's word and being kind. We're forgiving others. But then we just don't see a harvest. They're not nice to us. Our spouse isn't changing. Our situation isn't changing. We're not seeing anything sprouting from the ground. And so we dig up our harvest. And we destroy our harvest when meanwhile under the ground it was sprouting out. But we just became impatient. We have to settle in our mind that God's word works. And if he tells me that I will reap a harvest in due time if I don't grow weary and I keep sowing what is right, what is, see, sow to the spirit, that means in obedience to God's word. It means the things of God. That is plant the things of God in your life and in the life of others. Well, she doesn't treat me nice. doesn't say that. It says you do it. You sow to the spirit. So, so let's flesh this out. So Dave and I are in relationship together, and let's just say he's mean to me. My flesh says, get him back good. Say something really mean. Be critical. Be negative. Be nasty. You deserve it. Indulge, because he's not nice to you. That pleases my flesh when I do that. But if I sow to the flesh... I'll reap corruption, misery. But if I choose in that moment, no matter how he's treating me, to sow to the spirit and say, God, you tell me to honor him, to love him, to respect him, to be kind and compassionate, to be gentle. And if I choose to plant that seed, Dave isn't going to reap it. You say, well, he doesn't deserve it. He's not the one that's, getting the, that's doing the harvesting. I get to harvest in my own life. The seeds I plant, I harvest. Let, let me just make it really simple for you. What are you craving in your life? Some of you crave compliments. This one works. 
Leslie, am I lying? Do, do I not? We, we walk down an airport and people will come across, am I right? Across the way to come and comment on my hair or something about me. Do they not? Do you know why? Because I'm intentional. Every person I see, if I see somebody beautiful, I'll say, you look so nice today. I love your hair the way it is. Because I understand sowing and reaping. You sow what you want. You sow it and you'll reap it. And I reap. Do I not reap in that area? I reap in this area because I'm intentional about what I sow. Uh, women come to me about their husbands and they're ready to divorce. And I'm like, this is so easy. Sow. Sow, sow, sow. You're going to reap. He doesn't deserve it. Okay, but you do. You want to harvest, baby girl? Sow. Finances, this bothers me. This whole scripture is based on, look at, take it back to what is based. Look at the verse right before what we just read. I'm going to get it out and read it to you because it was, it's, this is keeping it in scriptural context. If you want to keep the scripture really in context, here it is. Let him who is taught the word of God share all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that too shall he reap. What he's saying is the person that's sowing spiritually into your life, you have an obligation to sow back into them. And do not be deceived. Whatever you sow, that too shall you reap. So if you're keeping that in context, that's the context. And yet we drop a dime or a dollar in the offering plate when we have been, I'm telling you, I've been up at, David, am I exaggerating, 4 o'clock a.m. for the last several weeks preparing this message. I labor to bring you a message. Let him who is taught share with the one who's teaching him. That's the context. So, but so, so I am a firm believer in tithing. We tithe our household. We're pastors, and we tithe. Because I understand the principle of sowing and reaping. You have trouble in your finances. That, trust me on this one. It's the only place God says you can test them is finances with the tithe. If you're hurting financially, pour money into your tithe. Put it into your church because I promise you, you will get it back. It's a principle of sowing and reaping. But it works both ways. Gossip, anger. Malice, it'll come back to you, I promise, I promise, I promise, I promise. It will come back to you. So in closing, I really am going to close. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all. There it is, sowing. Let us just do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Don't grow weary in well-doing that word, that well-doing means in acting rightly. It, it means useful works with measurable results. I am not going to be weary in doing useful works that give me measurable results. What, what's so interesting to me is that same word is, is the word that's used in Matthew 7, 12. Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. The ESV says, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. That's the word, don't grow weary in doing good. It's the same word that God says, okay, 
here's the golden rule. Whatever you want, you do to others. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Sowing and reaping. It's that same word. Don't grow weary in doing good unto others. Because whatever you do to them, that's what's coming back to you. It's that principle. That's profound to me. It's profound. Someone said if, you, if what you have is not what you need, it's not in your harvest, it's in your seed. What do you long for in your life? Begin to sow it. Hmm. Turn over to 2 Corinthians 9, 6, just in conclusion. It's another spiritual law. And it says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. You will never, ever um, regret sowing generously into the life of somebody else. Sow kindness everywhere you go. Give mercy everywhere you go. Extend grace wherever you go. Forgive freely, 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 because that's what will come back to you. Be purposeful about the seed that you're sowing. I'm purposeful. Even when somebody is mean to me, I will be so stinking nice to them because I'm thinking, you be mean, girlfriend. You're going to reap. You are going to reap. But I want to be kind to you. I'm going to be kind because I want to reap it. This principle works. God's word is true. It's true. So before we close, I want to just make sure because I am so aware that I study this and that I can have in my mind what this means and I don't convey it in a way that is tangible and practical that you can apply it. So do you have any questions about this principle? Any questions about what I taught? Do you need clarity anywhere? Anybody before we, we go? Yes, Mari. I know what you're saying, but I wonder if some people can take it in a way that's like, I'm going to get what I want, and it feels very like, a selfish ambition so how do you make sure it goes like obviously you're wanting to do it through righteous living but like yeah. how do you make sure that that doesn't get skewed and then how do you do things not out of performance like yeah I, I, I that's a very good question Mari it, because it, it goes back to that scripture in Hosea that says so righteousness so I am not this isn't about performance it's not about me earning the love of God I already have that there's nothing I can do to separate me from that. However, righteous living is doing what's right. God's ways are right. And, and so, um, and I'm not sure I'm answering your question here, but if I sow righteousness, I will reap a harvest. That's what Hosea says to me. But, 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 it, but that scripture finishes by saying, um, it finishes by saying, but you have cultivated wickedness and harvested a crop of thriving sins. And, and so it's not about earning or performing. But I will tell you this. 
I am saved by grace and not by works, that's already accomplished. I'm, this isn't about salvation. This isn't about getting to heaven. We're all going to get to heaven if we know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. It's a, that's a gift of grace. However, most of us stop there. And, and he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. This is how I know you love me. You keep my commandments. You obey me. Um, obeying him is walking in the spirit. And when I obey him, I forgive because, he's, because I'm forgiven. I love because I'm loved. I am, you know, all of those things. And, and so it's not about earning. It's not about performing. It's about manifesting Christ. And, and that is my goal to manifest him. We're so wanting a spiritual experience of, you know, Lord, let me just sense your, your presence, your power. Here's how, you, here's how you sense it. We manifest him. We're purposeful that everywhere we go, that's what's coming out of us. That's what's coming out of us. That's what we're sowing into the lives of the people around us. This is how they'll know we're Christians, by our love, by, by the fruit we're, we're displaying. Um, that, 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 People, I should never have to even mention his name, ever. People should be able to look at my life and how I'm living and say, you know, there's something about her. And that's because I'm manifesting his presence. Yeah, good question. Any, any other questions? All right, let me get you out of here. So, Father, I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful for your word. I'm so grateful, Lord, that it never returns void. And I'm asking that this word tonight would be a strong deposit. Deeply planted seeds that bring a harvest, not 30, not 60, but a hundredfold harvest in the lives of every person here. Open our eyes so we can see. Open our hearts, Lord God. Soften the hardened hearts, Lord so that we can feel the prick of your spirit, Lord. Give us revelation of what it means to truly walk in the spirit and be led by it. Teach us, Lord, to deny our flesh and to keep in step with your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name.